Before we move on, I wanted to recognize one of our sponsors, Schultz Products. When you grow a garden with Schultz products, you reap a bountiful crop of benefits for your business. With their wide array of specially engineered plant foods, they're confident that finding the right one for your customers will be a quick and easy process. They have researched and tested formulations for specific plants and flowers, and that creates the perfect combination of nutrients for guaranteed success for your customers and your business. Schultz plant foods are available through hardware co-ops and lawn and garden distributors nationwide. For more information, you can go to knoxfert.com backslash Schultz. That's K-N-O-X-F-E-R-T.com backslash S-C-H-U-L-T-Z. Hey there, everybody, and welcome to uh, the first Taking Care of Business podcast of the new year. It is 2021. We made it. Um, so blow your party horns and uh, and shoot off your poppers and all that kind of stuff because we are finally in a new year. And I think everyone is uh, maybe breathing a little sigh of relief that 2020 is is behind us and we kind of get to start fresh. Although, you know, it, it, the truth is not, not a lot changes just because the calendar has changed. But if nothing else, it's kind of a time when we all have a new outlook and new hope for a better year than we saw in uh, 2020. Um, but on our last podcast, if you listen to it, you know, one of the things we tried to focus on was not so much on, on the negative aspects of 2020, but looking at some of the positive things that came out of the year. And one of those positive things, I think, really directly relates to our first guest of the new year. And, and one of the things we had talked about was that as a result of, of the pandemic and as a result of a lot of the things that we saw just going on in, in the society throughout the world and certainly North America, um, was that consumers were kind of getting a renewed awareness of the importance of small business and shopping local and, and, and how important that is on the economy. And one of our guests on the last podcast brought up that, you know, so many of the stores and the small businesses within our segment of the industry on the home improvement side were the ones that were donating PPE and, and, and making sure that they were open to help customers throughout the entire pandemic. Uh, they were deemed essential. So they were there for their communities. And, and, and that right now, um, in, in one of my, my uh, columns uh, to start the year, I said that this should, for, for a lot of reasons, maybe shape up to be the year for small businesses. And, and our guest today comes to work every day and, and works in the defense of, of small businesses and small communities. And, and our guest, the first guest of 2021, is Stacy Mitchell. And Stacy is the co-director with the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. Stacy, so glad to have you on the program. Yeah, it's great to be here. Yeah, well, uh, and thank you for for all the the work that you do on behalf of small business and local economies. Are you excited uh, for 2021? <laughs> yeah, happy 2021. I mean, I think like you, I'm I'm glad to have 2020 behind us, but of course, um, you know, hoping that this shapes up to be a better year. It's it's hard to see how it can't given that we hopefully are going to have a, a vaccine and, yeah. you know, begin to uh, be able to go out and resume normal life. But, right. you know, 
Yeah. Waiting to see and hoping for the best. Yeah. Not knocking on whatever wood we have around. Right, exactly. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Daisy, why don't, why don't you start out by telling our, our listeners a little bit about the Institute for Local Self-Reliance and, and, and what exactly that is and kind of what your mission as an organization is. Yeah, we're a nonprofit uh, research and advocacy organization. So we're a national organization. We have a staff of about 25 people. Um, we have a bunch of folks in Minneapolis, a few folks uh, in New England. I'm in Maine, uh, some folks in DC. So we're scattered around. Um, the organization has been around since 1974, and we do uh, In-depth research and analysis, we develop uh, public policy uh, models and proposals, and then we partner with groups to advance those. And our overall mission is that we think that uh, we're, you know, we're deeply concerned about concentrated corporate power, the fact that there are a few companies that really dominate a lot of sectors of the economy. And we think that that has some real downsides for people, for uh, our ability to earn a good living and for local communities, both in rural areas and small towns and also big cities. And we think it has a downside for democracy. We're concerned about the power that big business has in Washington and has in our state capitals. And at the same time, we also think that a lot that there are huge benefits to independent local businesses and like community scaled enterprise of all kinds that have just been overlooked and ignored for a long time. And so our role, we do research to show that, to really make that case. And then we expose the ways in which public policy has tilted the playing field against local businesses. And we work to advocate for changes in those rules. You know, it's interesting because, um, you know, and I've said this uh, for a while now, is that, you know, we we just came out of, um, whether you remember or not, we just came out of an election year. <laughs> and um, so any time that we go through something like that, there's so much talk about, you know, the left or the right or the policies. And, and what always seems to happen is that, you know, people talk about being pro-business or, or not being pro-business. But it always seems like it's the small businesses that that are are left out of of, of most everything. I, I mean, you, you know, and 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 I know that's one of the focuses, as you you just said about what you guys work on. Do, do you think right now, you know, I kind of started the program today talking about how this the time in history feels right, and and everything seems to be aligned right now that consumers are perhaps more aware of the importance of small businesses. I mean, the, the devastation that went through the restaurant and service industries, and, and, and we really saw, again, talking about some of the bright things to come out of 2020 is how a lot of communities recognized the importance of, of their patronage to these locally owned businesses. Do, do you think that um, it's probably more important than ever right now that, that we find ways to seize on this momentum? Absolutely. I, I think that's absolutely right. I, there has been a realization this year, unlike any, you know, I've been involved in this work for years and I've never seen a moment where it crystallized so much yeah. that yeah. what's at stake if we lose independent local businesses. I think there's a way in which people sort of think, oh, they'll always be there or they think it's sort of a marginal. And when, you know, what this year has shown is that local businesses really matter. I think it's striking 
I mean, we've all seen this in our own communities and, and in news stories. It's just extraordinary the way that independent businesses have adapted um, and figured out ways to meet the needs of their community. Yeah. There are companies, I, I'm in Maine, and there are companies here, local manufacturers who just pivoted on a dime and started making PPE. Um, yeah. Beer brewers who started making hand sanitizer. The local coffee shop that figured out how to use a window in a little alley as their way to serve people. Um, you know, the flower store that converted to um, doing, uh, you know, delivering a bucket of flowers and doing videos to show you how to arrange them because they, you know, you were locked at home uh, with trying to find stuff to do with with you, with your kids, and so on. You know, I mean, it's just really the adaptability and the entrepreneurial nature, and we haven't seen that really with big companies in the same way at all. Um, so I think that's been a real wake up call this year is, is really seeing that. I think the question is, are we going to put our, our policy where our mouth is, you know, cause yeah. we can't solve this as consumers alone. We actually need to change how, how policy works. Yeah. And, and I mean, you're, you're talking my language there too. Cause I know one of the things we always talk about is in many ways, small businesses keep the big businesses honest as well in terms of small businesses are so quick to react to their needs of the community because they're part of the community. And I know we noticed and we did some research through our association kind of early on in the pandemic and we found out it really surprised me. But a cut within a couple we eight weeks really of the pandemic breaking out, some seventy plus percent of the retailers in our industry that we talked to had already instituted some sort of curbside pickup, you know, mm -hmm. and that was from nothing. That was that was good old entrepreneurial, independent, you know, locally run businesses saying, "Man, I don't care if we have to. I'll give you. We give you the owner's cell phone. You call it in. I'll write it down on a pad of paper, and we'll figure out a way to get it out to your car." It, it, you know, but that was. That was that innovation. So often people look at the big companies and say, oh, all the innovations coming from Jeff Bezos or all the innovations coming from Home Depot or Walmart. And, and, and it's just not the case. No, not at all. You know, I right at the beginning of the pandemic, I needed a new winter coat pretty desperately. And, you know, it's still cold here. And I, I called this local store. We were shut down. Like nobody was yeah. allowed to go in businesses. And I called this local store is great. A, a business called Nomads. And she was like, oh yeah, just tell me, you know, tell me a little bit about what you're looking for. She dropped off a selection of coats. Wow. I tried them on at my leisure in my house. And then, you know, she picked up the ones I didn't want. And it, you know, just, it couldn't have been easier. You know, you would have never gotten that from a national chain. Um, and I, you know, I think even you know, we, we all have those examples of, of how local businesses respond in extraordinary times, but even in our mundane day-to-day -day existence, um, local businesses play a huge role in innovation and really excel when you, when you sort of peel back the blinders of some of the mistaken ideas that I think are floating out about, you know, quote, mom and pop businesses, right. which, you know, makes them look like they're backwards. You know, what you find, I mean, hardware stores, it's amazing when you travel around the country and go to different hardware stores, how different they are because they're adapted to the specific local needs of that neighborhood. Whereas you go in a Home Depot and it's like, it's obviously, it's the same thing everywhere you go. We find in our research, um, you know, pharmacists, we've done a lot of work on looking at independent pharmacies and they are cheaper according to consumer reports and they deliver far more information spend more time with their patients they do a lot more health screenings i mean they you know as a as a as a delivery for healthcare a delivery mechanism for healthcare are extraordinary and you know i've read a number of 
of stories recently about pharmacists who know that people in their community are struggling and are actually, you know, uh, you know, letting them run up tabs on their prescriptions, you know, try, try getting CVS to do that for you. Right. You know, yeah. You know, as we kind of, as we're talking about how the, the stars could be aligned to, to, to create opportunity for small business, how would you characterize kind of the current state of small business in North America? I mean, what, you know, there, you can certainly point to, I mean, the, the home improvement industry for a variety of reasons throughout the pandemic has done well. Yeah. Um, we've seen resurgence in things like bookstores and record stores in, in recent years. But but for our listeners who maybe don't look beyond just kind of the industry we're in, what, what do you think the overall state of small business in, the, in, in North America is? It, small business has been declining overall in numbers and market share for about 30 years or so. Um, and that decline has accelerated in the last 10 years, accelerated further in the last five, and then in a lot of cases accelerated during the pandemic. Um, if you go back to the 1980s, small business, businesses with fewer than 100 employees accounted for about 40% of the economy. Today, they're down to about 23%. There's a lot of variation across industries and even within retail, a lot of variation. Um, so there are certainly um, sectors where there have been some bright spots, um, but then there are sectors where we've really lost a lot of independent businesses. And, you know, I think our analysis is that we've, you know, that we've really created a, a policy environment and a sort of larger uh, uh, construct in which it's harder to succeed. We've, we've created a lot of obstacles for small businesses. I think the more, one of the, the stats that has really gotten the attention of economists and policymakers is the, the uh, slowdown in the rate of new businesses forming. So in the 1980s, we were creating new businesses uh, at about three times the rate that we are now. We've just seen that number slow down in, in the rate of new business formation. Um, we're creating new businesses at, at about a third the rate we were uh, a generation ago. You know, we think we're this nation of entrepreneurs, but it has become harder to both sustain a business and, and to start a, a new one. So the big picture is really, I think, very concerning. There are bright spots within that and I do think there is a different kind of awareness now. Um, and what I'm hoping as we move into 2021 is that that awareness is really going to translate into, into action. If you could talk a little bit too about, you know, what, what on one side or what are kind of the, the realities of post-COVID, of, of the damage that COVID has done to business, but also, you know, as we talked about from the beginning, some of those opportunities that might be there. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's scary what has happened to restaurants and to many different parts of the retail sector and to services businesses, you know, things that people really need to do in person, um, uh, personal services. Uh, overall, across the small business sector, revenue is, is down uh, about uh, 30% from the start of the year right now, which is uh, from the start of 2020. Um, but it's pretty dire. And, and for restaurants, it dropped uh, more than 50% overall loss of revenue. So I'm, you know, worried. We've we've lost uh, uh, hundreds of thousands of businesses in, in 2020. And now as we are heading into 2021, everyone's holding their breath for the vaccine and a return to being able to interact normally. Um, but I think a lot of businesses are, you know, kind of on their 
you know, they're, they're, they're running on the last fumes of their gas of whatever savings that they're dipping into. And so I, I you know, I, I'm, I'm worried about that. That said, um, it's also true that we've seen sort of these ways in which independent businesses have adapted more to online retail, brought in new technologies. We've also seen a lot of communities wake up to these challenges. And so it's been interesting. We've been tracking um, my colleague Kennedy Smith here at ILSR started um, uh, creating something she calls the big list, which is a list of all the local and state assistance programs for small businesses during COVID, both direct cash relief, but also support and know-how and so on for businesses that are pivoting. And, you know, she's uh, tallied that, that local communities have devoted um, over $10 billion to uh, small businesses at a time when local governments are really struggling. So I think that's a measure. And, and what we've heard from a lot of those cities is that they've really, their eyes are sort of open um, and are really intrigued by, um, you know, really the ways that they could focus on growing businesses going into the future. Yeah. Which, which again, sets the stage hopefully for some greater realization. You know, while I think that there's, you know, it certainly sounds like there's concerns, there's some hope for optimism, but but to get real about things, you know, kind of for a minute is we're, we're coming out of the holiday season, and, and, and I can almost guarantee you that, that even the folks in, in, in um, our industry who represent and, and own and, 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 and rely on small businesses, I guarantee you almost everybody placed some orders from Amazon or, or other retailers mm-hmm. online for the holiday season. Is that just kind of the reality now of of, of saying, listen, we we understand that. I mean, Amazon's got a got a you know, in a lot of ways, a very innovative business model, and they've undoubtedly changed the way retail happens. Is it just that small business has to understand and find out how they coexist with those kinds of companies? I mean, it's not going away. Yeah, I think it's really worth like untangling uh, the technology from the company. So uh, online commerce is definitely here to stay and there's great advantages to it and having stuff delivered to our doors and having other ways to interact with the businesses that we rely on is is terrific. Um, And that's a technological change that is very much here to stay, but it's not a technological change that necessarily means that independent businesses are going by the wayside. It's not a technological change that necessarily means that one company is going to dominate everything. So those are two kind of two separate things. I often, when I think about Amazon, um, I think about the railroads because the railroads came along in the late 19th century and revolutionized uh, transportation, revolutionized commerce. you know, weren't the only way to get to the market, but became really the dominant way that farmers were moving their grain and other producers were moving um, their goods to market. And in the early decades of the railroad, they 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 were really controlled by a small number of industrialists who had interests in other things. So, for example, John D. Rockefeller, you know, for famous yeah. Standard Oil tycoon. Um, He had uh, some control over rail lines, and that's part of how he built a monopoly in oil was that he used that control to prevent competing oil companies from being able to move their oil on the rails. And uh, and that was happening in a lot of different ways. And Congress stepped in in 1906 and passed a law that said, look, if you're a railroad, you can't also have a financial interest in other stuff. 
Um, You have to be a neutral common carrier. And I think it's worth thinking about Amazon in that way. You know, the problem is that they are so dominant. Most people start their shopping there. They have become the modern day infrastructure for commerce. And, uh, but that doesn't mean that they should also be allowed to compete on that same platform. And what does it look like if we say, Amazon, you need to, you need to spin off your retail division and your e-commerce platform needs to become a common carrier since it's relied on by so many different companies that if you're able to both compete in the market and set the rules of the market, that's really un-American and anti-free enterprise. So I guess um, to your question, I I think, yes, obviously e-commerce is here to stay, but there are all, all these ways in which we could think about the rules being different that would make it not dominated by this single company, but much more of an open market. Well, and, and, um, you know, this is, this is the part of the conversation where, I, I mean, to me, and I know, know obviously to you, it, it seems relatively, you know, cut and dried and, 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 and the, the, there are, isn't a whole lot of gray area. It's, it, there are some kind of black and white sort of, um, uh, issues to address, but just playing devil's advocate for a minute here is that I think that I've also heard when I've had these conversations with people saying, well, listen, um, isn't the nature of kind of the capitalist environment to say, listen, Amazon's driving innovation and, and Amazon is good for competition. People should just figure out how to compete better and, and, then, and then everybody will improve. And, and Amazon is, is, is pushing companies to get better. Um, so we need that. Um, and, and then, you know, take that to the next level and say, there's also a group of folks that would say, listen, the government shouldn't pick winners and losers. Amazon's mm-hmm. figured out how to do things and do things well. The government should have no place. The free market should decide. And then if the free market decides that, that they want to buy a $179, 70-inch big screen TV through Amazon and get it delivered for free, they should be able to do that. Yeah. You know, I think that there's a, it's a mistake to imagine that the government isn't playing a role always in the economy. You know, that's the, that's the thing is that government is on some level always setting the parameters through which the economy operates um, through the choices it makes about tax policy, through the choices it makes about competition policy, whether it protects the rights of patent holders. I mean, there are all these decisions that government makes that, that ultimately influences the economy. I think rather than pretending like it's possible to have government or no government, like instead of pretending like that's a choice, it would be much wiser of us to say, well, what is it? What are what are the rules that government is creating? And is that actually creating an economy in which we have a measure of freedom um, and people can build businesses? And I think right now what you see is that a lot of those rules are really skewed to favor Amazon. And to just take that on, you know, more directly. You know, Amazon, we, you know, certainly obviously is a company that has in its history innovation, you know, things that it's come along and pioneered, but there are a lot of ways in which Amazon has bullied, bought, um, and, and otherwise grabbed hold of power. I mean, one of the things that we don't enforce anymore, and we used to enforce uh, antitrust laws against predatory pricing, 
And we don't enforce that anymore. And so what that meant is that in the mid 2000s, when there were, were real competitors that came along and started to give Amazon a run for its money, uh, I'm thinking of Zap Zappos, the shoe retailer, which everyone absolutely loved, did things differently. Um, Diapers.com, another really innovative company. When those companies came along in the mid 2000s, Amazon sold shoes and, and diapers uh, in, in you know different times at a loss, lost hundreds of millions of dollars. And those companies, because they were smaller and more specialized, you know, they're trying to match those prices. They're bleeding red ink everywhere. And eventually they came to the table and allowed Amazon to buy them. Um, so that's a scenario where, you know, it's like, uh, it's like the rules that we need in, in, in sporting matchups, you know, like it's not actually competition if there aren't rules, if there isn't a referee. And so to me, it's less about government or no government than what is the, what are the rules? What, how is the government operating as a referee? And I would say right now, this is a referee that heavily favors big business. Um, you know, and to add just one more point to that, to that Amazon has picked up over $4 billion in public subsidies, um, you know, giveaways from local governments, uh, tax deals and so on. Uh, just extraordinary. Yeah, I, I mean, to say the least, I found it a bit unsavory several years ago when when Amazon was looking to build their second headquarters and and it almost became like the LeBron James choosing where to play basketball scenario and, and all these different <laughs> right. communities were vying for, here's what we could give you to come to our community. And, and in so many ways, it just felt like, uh, you know, making a deal with the devil broadcast on live TV and and uh, I know our community here in Indianapolis was one of the ones that was in the running for a short while. And I, I was thrilled when it, when it decided to back out because at some point you're offering these tax incentives and, 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 and all these other opportunities that it, to a certain degree, it's a zero sum game. If that all goes to Amazon, someone else is going to have to pay for it and the revenue is going to have to come from somewhere. And yeah, sure, some of it would come from, from additional jobs and additional people coming to the community. But at the end of the line, the government's going to say, the local government's going to say, well, we gave all that to Amazon. We're not going to have as much to give to, you know, the shoe store or, or, uh, or, or, or the others in the community. So tell us a little bit about like, what is kind of on your agenda or ILSR's agenda for 2021? What are some of the major things that you're focusing on that we all should be aware of as well. Yeah, well, we, um, you know, we actually just released a, fed, a small business federal policy agenda, um, which you can find on our website that kind of lays out what we think are some of the important things for the incoming Biden administration and the, and the Congress to do. Um, and, you know, I think our, our one of our top areas of focus is on this issue of antitrust policy. You know, our antitrust laws have been dormant for decades now, and there is a growing push to revive them. We had a great, you know, a great investigation in the House uh, Antitrust Subcommittee looking at the power of big tech with a bunch of terrific recommendations that came out of it. Um, so we're really hoping to see those recommendations turned into bills um, and for Congress to move on that, that legislation. So that's a big thing. And there's, of course, a lot of things that the Biden administration can do um, in terms of addressing market power problems. For example, I'm really eager to see 
who they're going to bring to the Federal Trade Commission. Um, and because the Federal Trade Commission is really charged with policing unfair methods of competition. And so there's a lot that the FTC could do to address some of the issues that we see with how Amazon abuses people in its marketplace and you know, some of the other uh, problems. Um, so that's a one area. I think this, a couple of other areas that I will point to um, that I think are important uh, one is lending. You know, we know a lot of businesses struggle with access to capital, um, and a fair amount of that has to do with the fact that the banking industry has gotten more consolidated, and the community banks that have traditionally been the support uh, source of a lot of small business lending have shrunk. And so, we've recommended a number of policies to expand community banks and to help regenerate that those local financial systems that are so important. We know in states like North Dakota, for example, where there's a lot of community banks, that there are more small businesses, more small business lending, more new businesses that start. So we think that access to capital piece is important. And there are a number of, of recommendations we have about how best to address it. And then I guess the third area I would point to is we're really looking at, um, we've, we've called on the Biden administration to overhaul the Small Business Administration. Um, you know, I think there's a lot that the SBA should be doing and should be doing differently. Yeah, yeah. What, I guess, I mean, that's a lot to kind of chew on. If you could kind of give our listeners, and, and again, the, the folks that listen to this, um, uh, would be, you know, independent retailers themselves, organizations from the manufacturing distribution sector that, that support independent businesses, um, and, and a variety of other types of folks. What, what, what would you say, this is what you guys can do. This is, you know, I, I, I said, you know, what, what, what would their homework be for 2021 as it relates to, because I, I mean, listen, I talk to particularly the, the small business owners all the time that, that, that you know, uh, shake their fist and say, we need this and we need this and we need this. But what what can they do? I'd imagine becoming educated about um, mm -hmm. about the things you're talking about um, would be an important part of it. But what else can they do to kind of support these causes, many of which are their own causes? Yeah. So, I mean, on the issue of, of Amazon and, and monopolies, you know, as I mentioned, this investigation that the House Antitrust Subcommittee did, they released a big report in October of their findings, really terrific report, set of recommendations. Um, you know, I, I can't, this has been a historic, they gathered millions of documents from the companies, they held hearings, they interviewed hundreds of witnesses, including many small businesses and mid-sized businesses. Um, this kind of an investigation of corporate concentration hasn't been done by the con by Congress in about 50 years. I mean, it's really a breakthrough. And, you know, we've been for, for, for me for two decades now have been on this, on this, uh, you know, path of really saying we need to revive our antitrust laws. Like we need to be a good, a good referee about market power issues. And uh, for, in various ways, those laws have been have been sidelined for a long time now. And this investigation is really calling for those laws to come back. And so, I think it's one of the most important things to highlight. And what I would really strongly encourage your members to do is to um, email or call their members of Congress and their senators and say, you know, market power abuses are a real problem. I am concerned about the power of big tech. I'm concerned about the power of big corporations to make it impossible for smaller businesses to compete. I think we need fair antitrust laws. 
And I want you to know that I'm, I, I saw, you know, this report that the house has done is really important. And I hope that you're going to be speaking up and supporting it like that for a member of Congress to hear from a small business owner on an issue like this, it, that's the kind of thing that gets their attention because it's not an issue that's like front page news. And so it's really, that would be the big thing. And we have, if you want a sort of shortcut, we have a petition on our website um, at, at ILSR.org slash Amazon. Um, if you want to sign that petition around this report uh, and sort of add your voice, it's just for small business owners, not, not for other folks. So I think that's a great thing to do. And then I would also, I guess my, my, my second and, and maybe third piece of homework, if I can, my second piece of homework is to um, reach out to the editorial board of your local newspaper. If you are fortunate enough to still have one, um, you know, there's an editorial board. They, they're the ones who decide the editorials that the newspaper itself publishes and talk to them about these issues. Because I think one of the things that we need to do is get newspapers and, and communities across the country talking about this. This has been really an inside DC conversation. And if we leave it there, um, we lose, we, we, you know, we, we need, we really need to bring economic vitality to every region of the country, you know, smaller cities, rural areas, there are a lot of places really suffering and regenerating small businesses is critical to that. And that means we have to create an environment in which they can succeed. And I think having that conversation with editorial boards and saying, this is something you really should be covering and talking about would be an incredibly powerful uh, thing to do. Yeah, spreading uh, spreading the message and making more people aware of it, you, you know. And I, and I think that another thing that 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 doesn't hurt is also just getting consumers and hopefully, you know, again going back to where we started the conversation, more consumers are aware of saving five dollars or or whatever it might be. Um, what are you sacrificing to do that? And I'm not asking anybody, you know, to say, I want, I, I want terrible service and I don't want competitive pricing. But when it comes down to some of the decisions that consumers make, that's really what drives the needle uh, is, is consumers considering small business, supporting small business, and not always just kind of defaulting into the way of thinking they've been trained to default to is I'm going to go to Walmart or I'm going to go to Amazon and order something, exploring those small business options that are around them already. Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, I think it's so it's so easy for people to default to Amazon and to sort of mindlessly assume that's the only option. You know, I've done a lot of my, I did a lot of my holiday shopping with local businesses online this year because, um, you know, some of them in my community are, are closed to visitors because of COVID or just to, to stay out of the way of crowds myself. Um, and I, you know, I found that it was actually quite easy. I mean, the local toy stores um, in, in my city had just great websites. And when I had questions about like, okay, I've got you know, an 11 year old boy, what's the right thing to get? They were happy to talk with me on the phone. My bookseller did the same thing. Um, and frankly, it was a lot more fun and rewarding. Um, I got a, a shipment from a local toy store a couple of towns over um, because the one in my city didn't have the toy that I particularly wanted for, for someone on my list. And I opened up the box and it's like this red 
red tissue paper and this lovely little like thank you note from the staff um, there. And just like a little bright spot of happiness and just so different from the times I've opened that Amazon package where it's just, you know, there's, it's, um, it doesn't have the same feel at all. Um, It's a different thing. Well, uh, I think you've given us all a lot to, to think about and, and, and I again would stress now is the opportunity to seize this momentum. Um, and uh, we're not going to get a whole lot of more opportunities. I mean, we're going to keep hopefully fighting that good fight, but now the momentum seems like it's really on the side of small business. Stacy, where would someone go? Uh, just to reiterate, it's ILSR.org that someone would go to to find out more about your organization, find the petition they could sign, and more information about these kind of uh, um, uh, issues as well. Yeah, that's right. ILSR.org, Institute for Local Self-Reliance. And then once you're there, if you um, look for the independent business initiative, so we have a whole section on our site devoted to independent businesses, and you'll find information um, on our research about Amazon, on our federal um, policy um, proposals, a bunch of other great stuff. We have a lot of local resources as well. And then, um, yeah, you can find the petition there. Fantastic. Stacy. thank you so much for coming on as a guest. What a, what a great conversation to start the year with. And please, I would uh, urge you, if there's anything our organization can do moving forward, use us as a platform. And, and we'd love to have you back on again and hopefully talking about some of the successes we have throughout the year in, in, in uh, as I said, fighting this good fight for local business. That's great. Absolutely love to. And and at some point we should get you on our podcast. Oh, um, I'd love to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I'd we have a podcast called Building Local Power. And it'd be really fun to do a roundtable about independent businesses and maybe have you and and some of your members on to talk about hardware stores. People would love that. You know, that would be fantastic. And I'll I, I, to that point, um, it's such an interesting story. You know, I've been in this industry now for 25 years. And it's such an interesting industry that has done such a great job of really, I mean, there are still 35,000 storefronts of independent businesses, uh, you know, in this industry. And, and they've seen the rise of Home Depot and Lowe's and these, you know, c- category killers, as we used to call them. And they're still, the independent business is still thriving. And there's so many reasons for that, but it's such an interesting story to talk about. I, 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 I'm happy to talk about it whenever I can. So, and, and uh, we can cross promote the podcast. So what, what's the podcasting name again? So our audience can, can find it. It's called Building Local Power. Um, yeah, we cover a lot of different issues all around sort of like local, you know, the idea of local communities uh, being healthy and thriving. So you'll hear, hear stuff on, we have an energy program. So you'll hear stuff around like local renewable energy. We have a broadband program, but um, we also have regular topics about independent business. And we've had, um, earlier this year, we we had um, a pharmacist on. We've had an office supply dealer, so we regularly kind of hear from from other folks on the ground about about this stuff. Yeah, building local power. Oh, fantastic! Well, I'd urge all our listeners to give that a give that a look and uh, and add it to their subscription list. Stacy, thank you again so much for being on the program. A lot on your list for the year, and 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 it's in all of our best interest that you guys are successful. So, thank you so much. And we, like I said, I can't wait to have you back and learn about all the hopeful successes we'll see this year. Thank you so much, and happy new year. Happy new year to you.
The nomination period for the 2021 Young Retail of the Year Awards program is now open. The North American Hardware and Paint Association has recognized young leaders under the age of 35 who represent the future of independent hardware and paint retailing for the past 25 years. So if you know someone who might be a good candidate for this award, you're gonna to wanna to make sure you visit yournhpa.org backslash Y-R-O-T-Y to learn more. The deadline to apply is February 28th, so do not sit on that. I'd also like to give a shout out to the program sponsors, Aerofastener, Epicor, Fluidmaster, IPG, MyTech, Midwest Fastener, and Pony Jorgensen. Thanks guys for supporting this and make sure you get those applications in by the deadline.